a wonderful episode of Open Discussions lined up for you this week. I am your host, Rashawn Davis, a.k.a. The Spiritual Homie, coming to you live from UHHQ, where we blend creativity, collaboration, community, and commerce together to make some unforgettable experiences. Now, today, we're talking about bravery. We're talking about taking steps forward in a space that allows us to test our courage and do things for the greater good, no matter how different from the status quo it may seem. On this episode, I come together with Julie Young and Steve Vieos to talk about equity, wellness, and agency when it comes to real estate development and housing. This is a good one. One of my favorite quotes was when Julie said, I stopped existing in a world of being way too much or not enough. And Steve drops this one, and I think this one will resonate with me for a long time. When life comes to an end, the only thing that matters are these two questions. Was I happy? And was my life fulfilling? I definitely felt that one. So, without further ado, open your ears, open your mind, and tune in to Open Discussions with the Spiritual Home. Recording. All right, all right. So today I have a very special um, conversation lined up. I have uh, Julie Young on here with me and Steve Vallejos. Um, how are you guys? How are you doing? How's How are things? Terrific. It's really good. good. Thank you. Yeah. I'm good I'm, as well. I'm, Thank you. I'm excited to have you on. And, you know, one of the things that I always start these uh, conversations with is just stories and my connection to uh, the folks that I'm talking to. And I'll never forget, it was about late June of last year, I get a, a text message from Julie and she's like, you know, call me. And I was like, all right. Like I, I hadn't talked to Julie like on the phone in a long time, right? And it was after... Um, one of our clients had decided to cut a contract that was very uh, pivotal for us, especially during a pandemic being an events agency. And so, you know, I was in my feelings and, and just trying to understand how we were going to make it through, how we were going to survive this pandemic when one of our biggest client contracts just got cut from us kind of unjustly. Um, and so I hop on the phone with Julie and she said the most meaningful thing to me um, on that in that conversation and as you'll you'll start to understand Julie drops a lot of di uh, different gems when she's talking but she told me she said you know I've seen this happen to you in Del Paso when you guys were producing events there you know people just when they're done with your creativity they can just pull it back from you I've seen this happen in Oak Park and now I'm seeing this happen in Midtown as well. I want to sit with you and I want to fix that. I have this plot of land and I want to just discuss this idea I have with you. Do you remember that conversation? Obviously you do, Julie, right? Uh, I do. And, and that to me was one of those times where you just, you're feeling like, you're you're just down and the world's just like kicking you and then someone comes up and just like reaches out and and just says these simple words like let's fix this um and that was that was the story of julie coming in uh, <laughs> what what were you know that's my story of you julie like you know this this guardian angel that was coming in at this time and that I, I really needed it but that's my my perception of you right and then i just steve you know through the work that julie and i have been doing you know she brought steve to the table and which we'll talk about the project that we're working on called the nest but in sitting with steve and hearing the passion and the just conviction of solving this problem of housing 
for underserved communities really resonated with me. And I was just like, I am in the midst of two of the most wonderful people. And so I was like, I have to get them on this podcast so they can just kind of, you guys can hear some of these things that, you know, their, their values are, you know, where their thoughts are, where they're pushing things to. So I just wanted to open with that, you know, and say welcome to both of you guys. And um, we'll just kick it off with you, Julie. You tell me your story. What's your, how, how are you, how does that line up with what I'm telling everyone? Wow. I am so grateful you reminded me of that story because you really just in that one story illustrated so much of um, kind of my evolved belief system. And when I say evolved, I mean, it's the things that I've learned over time. Um, and really, when I was struck by your story and what prompted me to reach out to you, it was a sense that you can be this incredibly creative person. And creativity in its own right is a capital. It's a capital, but we don't recognize it as, a, as capital. We kind of think that creativity is this gift that's given to a few people. And if they have it, those people should kind of just give it away to the rest of us. And we don't assign a value to creative capital. You know, we are really quick to acknowledge somebody's financial balance sheet and most every transaction, particularly when it comes to housing and retail environments and businesses, it's all about what's your net worth and what's your balance sheet look like. But you, there's, no, there's me- no measurement for creative capital, right? And so what I kept seeing in you was this expense of creative capital without this place to call home. And it really reinforced to me the importance of home whether it's where your business resides, where you personally live. And it it really has informed the programs that we work on for retail empowerment, creative capital being the number one thing we look for when we're doing retail empowerment and creating opportunities for businesses to thrive, but also housing. And if I can do anything for anyone that helps them own a home or own a place to have their business. They have something far beyond the goodwill that they build in their business and their home and their community. They have a place where they can reside and be resilient and build generational wealth. And I think the one thing, you know, when you see a really awesome business, um, their lease terminates and their landlord asks them to move on. And, you know, maybe they had something where they could thrive in their existing setup, but wherever they're placed next is going to cost them three times the amount. Or maybe you have somebody living in a home where they're renting and, you know, rents go up, renewals come along, people get pushed out. And at the end of the day, if we're not empowering people to build generational wealth, we're not helping to solve housing security and we are not helping to build healthy community. So fundamentally, your story ignites really all of those things. It's the power of creative capital. It's the necessity of having a home to create retail empowerment so that our business owners can actually sleep at night while they're providing services to our community and enriching our community. But it's also just the safety of having a roof over your head, which is really why I was so struck by Steve and his story and the types of things he is working on um, and Steve, maybe like we can segue this over to you and, and you can kind of piggyback or expand, you know, cause I know we share some of the same values and the things that, that we believe in. Wow. That, that's, uh, that's, that's hard footsteps to follow with what you just shared there. Um, uh, so very, very, very meaningful in terms of looking at the, um, the equity um, in in housing that is missing for so many people. Um, for for me, it's it you know meeting you um, tied to some of the um, awareness campaigns we were we were sharing the same time frame on with um, with the Sacramento community is is you know kind of a was an interesting 
step into introducing what we've been doing in the Bay Area for a while to the uh, Sacramento market. But but what you said specifically um, and, and how you shared, you know, your vision of the Nest product project to me um, is, is something that just really lit me up in terms of looking at areas where um, they've been dreams of mine to pursue housing solutions, but they were they, they were always things that were a little further down the radar for me um, because, you know, specifically tied to your project, like uh, the, there's a lot of things different about trying to cluster affordable ownership housing um, in a way that's been missing for decades in this state and quite honestly in this nation. Um, anybody living in California who's had the opportunity to go by some of the older inner urban neighborhoods of, of cities that have been here for, you know, 40, 50 years or more, you see this cluster housing where there, there's these little casitas that, um, that may sit between, you know, a single family home on the left and a single family home on the right. And here is this on this single lot is, you know, six to eight of these little casitas um, there's no parking garages. There's no carports or anything like that. It's 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 in the walkable communities. But yet these were the these were the kind of what I would consider the last bastion of affordable housing before the market shifted us to doing you know larger multifamily developments um, and how zoning basically eliminated these from the market. So. You know, being introduced to a pursuit that was happening to say that, like, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We need to bring something back that has been eradicated. Um, so, so to me, Julie's venture in this was something that I took to immediately and said, I'd absolutely would love to participate in that because while a lot of what we do on my side of the world um, with the ADU market, the accessory dwelling unit market, is really about providing affordable housing in terms of looking at rent rental units um, the, the, obviously the homeowner is building this and it becomes an equitable gain on their property but most of the time the customers I deal with 80% of them are actually trying to find a more affordable housing for family members whether um, it's the sandwich generation in the middle that is dealing with aging out of the housing marketplace seniors or children moving into adulthood who are looking at there's probably never going to be an opportunity for me to buy housing and right now rental rentals rents are exceeding my income levels i'm mm -hmm. spending way more than 30 percent of my income to provide housing for myself outside of my parents home so you know, that has been my everyday bread and butter. And to see that there is an opportunity to work with Julie on bringing back some of this, what we call the missing middle housing, um, that it, it was such an exciting thing to to see if there's any way I can participate in in kind of breaking ground on something like this and, and showing the state that you know, look, this this is viable, and we could certainly do this on a lot more properties, and bring instead of one single family home to that market, bring eight units into that same physical footprint. Um, so, so to me, I feel like I'm just being asked to contribute to something that is already amazing, and just bring my physical skills to that aspect of it. Um, but the but the hard work has definitely been done already by by Julie and, and, and all of her efforts. So. Uh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I know a lot of you guys who are listening right now, is like, what are they talking about? Like, <laughs> what is this beautiful magic project? So the project is called The Nest. And from June of last year until currently right now, we're still working out the kinks, right? It's almost been a year journey of us trying to figure out how to create housing for creative entrepreneurs who have been boxed out of the housing market. And, you know, we've, we went through a, a couple different iterations, right, Julie, of, you know, this live workspace that was, you know, 
two stories where someone could live upstairs and maybe work out downstairs, you know, have their space. But, you know, what we're finding is it's hard for people to qualify for these things, right? And so it brings up this idea of, you know, reinforcing this idea of, of wellness, right? And so for me, with Be Well Sacramento and, and just us going on this wellness journey, it's important to start thinking about wellness as a community, but we have to break it down and start individually. So what does wellness mean to you, Julie? Like, what is that wellness piece for you? Well, I think um, wellness in the context of what we're speaking of here today is really how do you view community and how do you create an equitable forum for as many people to thrive within that community as possible. So it would, in my mind, mean that you are knitting together people with their live and work and shopping environment in a pedestrian friendly um, place where they feel connected and known to their neighbors and where their money that they are spending and earning is happening in this self-referential community. So, you know, if I, if I live upstairs or I walk to work five or six blocks away, and if the wage I earn is spent on my local businesses, these aren't new concepts. These are just things, as Steve mentioned, possibly were much stronger 50 years ago, but we've kind of gotten away from this. So I think ultimately wellness to me is knitting together a really kind of more urban environment where there is an interconnectedness between living and working and playing and spending our dollars that basically uh, creates a resiliency because the system relies on itself to stay healthy. So because the community is healthy, the individual is healthy, but the only way that can really happen is if we are creating housing, uh, using density, because you know if land prices are higher and higher and we know what's going on in the material market right now, trying to stick build any form of construction, pricing is astronomical. You know, every material is like a commodity that's just going up and down on a daily basis. So how do we how do we stabilize this to a degree that we can use our existing environment to its highest and best? And to me, part of that equation is smaller footprint for housing. It's density for housing. It's eliminating some of those things that we've grown used to, like Steve mentioned, the garage, the carport. We've kind of built our whole life around the automobile and we've treated it more preciously than we have the people that live in the homes. So if density is a solution and if smaller footprint is a solution, then to me, good health is matching people to those opportunities that as Steve mentioned, really right now don't exist. Um, Maybe like Steve mentioned, uh, well, the ADU, but that might be somebody who already owns a home and they're just trying to create a separate ADU environment where an aging parent or an up and coming young youngster can, you know, live out their young adult life. And we're looking at it like, but that might be a phase of someone's life, but it's often all of someone's life. So how do we take that footprint of what looks more like the ADU and bring it about as a single family home? I realize that's a lot of answer to what is health, but to me it's all interconnected. If people don't feel like they have a secure place to sleep at night, if they don't feel like they have food on the table, if they don't feel like they have a purpose, if we don't feel like we're connected to each other, then how can you really hope for good health you know, by just simply clicking a few more steps every day or, or taking a pill. It's, it's really so much more about our mental health and our well-being and our interconnectedness. Mm-hmm. Yes. What about you, Steve? Like, what, is, what does wellness mean to you? Um, I, 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 could, I could turn this into a, a book 
of a response um, very rapidly. Um, but what I what I can try to do is 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 encapsulate it into like the the deception of of things that we have been taught and um, what the the dramatic difference is in terms of how people actually physically feel. Um, we we we're all raised with the idea that the basic necessities of life are food, shelter, and clothing. Um, and, and so it, those three words are so commonplace that um, I, I think they are part of the public education process is to is to solidify those things as that that are those those are the things that are important. And they are. I'm not I'm not taking away from that. But what I see what I see is a is a huge gap between what we call community and what is actually physically felt as isolation. And when to touch on that, I mean that you can take a community um, or you can take an area where where jobs may be strong, um, but you you'll find that where that community jobs are strong, housing doesn't really exist for those the largest percentage of those people who are working in that community, meaning they are they are they are removed from the physical space, they are promised that by working here you are working towards that goal but the sad reality of this is you know being a guy in his 50s now that we have watched you know several generations of people now not be able to fulfill the dream of of that um that personal goal of of housing um whether it be comfortable with rental or whether it be the dream of ownership. So to me, what I think, uh, when I think about wellness, it's actually about taking community and transposing it from something that is visual, external feeling to a, an, an emotional feeling of, of well-being, of actually feeling like connected with it. Um, community is something that you can see and touch. It almost is like an amusement park. You can go there, you can see it, you can take pictures of you physically being there, but it's not your home. You don't live there. Um, it is a dream fantasy place. And, and so to me, it's about trying to find ways of moving people who are all around you living in isolation from that being a reality to finding ways to actively work towards collaborating to make that something that is okay to talk about, which starts to make it okay to become, to find ways to make a reality. So uh, that, I know that's a strange kind of thing, but it, it's, it's how I connect with the people I talk to every day, because they start with talking about this type of housing that we provide as as being an answer to a problem that they just don't see an answer to and when we work with them towards delivering that um we oftentimes are dealing with people who are hugging us crying saying thank you when they say goodbye to us because our work is done to me that that is like to me that's a personal inspiration that'll never get old <laughs> it'll it'll never get old. I I could do that till my dying day, and and if that's the last thing I see, um, it, it'll it'll bring me a, a sense of fulfillment in 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 what I consider you know the overall wellness approach to things. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I love that, and and so much of it, you know. And, and that's very personal, right? Like that inspiration that you get from delivering those products to those people, that keeps you going, right? And that is like, yeah, you're saying like, I could do that until my dying day. And that's a very strong force of wellness, you know? And, and that's the thing like I want people who are listening to really understand is wellness doesn't come in like this one set way. You know, everybody has their own pathway to it and whatever it is for you, as long as you understand that and you know that you're on that journey, 
you can continue along that way. And then you're being an inspiration for other people. You're giving other people this opportunity or this feeling of just like, now I have this thing that I own and now I'm, you know, can give it to my mother or, you know, my up and coming son and I can break them free from a lesson or, you know, this idea that I was chasing and I never got to. So it's like, that's, that's a beautiful space to be in. So let me, let me ask you guys this, like talking about 2020, what are some of the lessons that you learned about willpower and then bravery? And you guys can kind of, you want to piece them out or answer both of them. You tell me like, what is, what are those lessons that 2020 taught you about willpower and bravery? Well, the thing I think about willpower is that it's a little bit fickle. You know, it shows up for me periodically and it doesn't always stick around as long as I would like it to. So uh, absent having this deep well of willpower, I think what I've really tried to do is just make a good plan and when willpower shows up, I love to be able to kind of ride the crest of that wave. But I I can't wait for willpower or believe that somehow I have a character flaw if I, I'm lacking in willpower on a, per, a day. I have to just kind of say, here's my purpose. Here's what I'm working on. Here's my plan to execute this. You know, I'd love the energy to always rise up to meet the task, but when it doesn't, you know, to still be able to cross a few things off that list, regardless of the um, the gas in the tank or the willpower that's there. I think with regard to bravery, bravery is, in my mind, just kind of like showing up and doing the work that's aligned with your purpose. and. You know, when, when you use a word like purpose, it almost kind of sounds grandiose. It sounds like, oh, you know, 2% of the world gets the luxury of working toward things that are aligned with their purpose. I, I was talking to a girlfriend about this yesterday, and she was saying how she, she felt like she was kind of lacking a purpose. And I said, well, let's think about what you've been through the last year as you've been transitioning and grieving and healing from an injury and all of the things you've been through what's been absent in that year. And the absent thing has been the capacity to dream. And I think oftentimes um, we underestimate the importance of daydreaming and thinking about things that are aspirational and putting energy into just visualizing what we want out of life and what we want out of the world. I I'm not sure you can really find your purpose without first dreaming about something you don't yet see that you'd like to make happen. So, you know, I had somebody describe it to me once as kind of like having a vision for the future that's not yet tangible, you know, because part of what you're here to do is bring that to fruition. So to me, I think you can't talk about, you know, bravery and willpower without talking about purpose and having direction. And I don't think you really get there without giving yourself some permission to dream and imagine like a better place, uh, you know, a better life, better connections, better community, better health. I think when you start getting a glimmer of that um, inspiration and curiosity, you know, then then it's easy to be a little bit braver. Then maybe you reach down and you have a little bit more willpower. But I don't think they work in isolation without a without a path. Mm, I love that. What about you, Steve? What did what did twenty twenty teach you about willpower and bravery? Um, I I I have a couple of things to unpack there um, mm -hmm. that, that happened simul simultaneously and, and, and actually a few. Every, like, like everyone else, the pandemic um, inserted a whole new set of rules about how you live your life, um, about what, how you operate in business, um, and a, a, a huge degree of uncertainty 
for so many things in terms of just watching the pandemic unfold and watching our country become more deeply divided um, between two two parties, which essentially amounted to two uh, opposing ideals. Um, so, so like everyone else, it, it was a you know fear um, was a, a huge part of the year, just trying to unpack that daily um, and try and understand that. So, so where did the needle move today? Did it move forward or did it move more backwards? And and what does that mean? So, so for me, you know, it, it's um, it's a question of you know testing your own strength, stamina, fortitude, um, and also finding ways to have a collective body of, of souls around you that um, can, can help you, and as well as you help them, promote um, and encourage a sense of, of being um, and, and trust and faith um, in, the, in that period. Uh, the the other thing that I was dealing with um, last year was uh, recovering from a traumatic brain injury and basically just trying to reestablish cognitive functions um, and trying so hard to to re regain who I was as an individual um, with uh, without without the knowledge that, you know, yet that I, I was never going to be that same person ever again. Um, there's, there's, there's good and bad that can come from an incident like that. Um, so for me, you know, willpower and bravery um, was, uh, was a, it's, it's, last year was really about a long journey in, in darkness for a while. Um, and as I started to come back um, to having some functional ability and, and able to work more than you know two hours a day, um, I, I, I found myself connecting more with the people we serve um, in terms of the housing we provide by understanding like I, I never knew what a traumatic brain injury was. I had no idea that that was a thing. I had no idea that mil, you know, that over a million people suffer from that every year in this country. I, I had no idea of the debilitating effects of that. But I also had no ideas of how that connects with people of, of uh, you know, people that have PTSDs, so, you know, people who have who have served in this country uh, in our military um, and and find themselves homeless on the streets now suffering from you know ptsd without a circle of people to help them or proper medical care um so for me you know learning all these things my willpower and bravery became was was kind of a, a an evolution of myself physically and mentally learning that what i am going through i have to have a deeper understanding and empathy for people who I don't even know, but who are dealing with this every day and have been dealing with this for decades. Um, and, and it has, it has given me drive to, to work harder and more focused on what I was doing. So yeah, I, I think that's the best way I can, can kind of package that and describe it. And so I, I stay on the mission I was on before, before 2020 but I'm much more physically, mentally, and emotionally in touch with the reasoning behind it. Not just, not just to simply, you know, quote a blurb that's regurgitated over and over again in the state that we just don't have enough housing, but to really understand physically who that affects and why and how their well-being is so critically dependent on folks like us succeeding so that we can break this cycle that this state and other states have been locked up in because we just haven't put the proper effort forth to find new ways. We have just been saying, well, maybe the same thing we did last year will work better this year. Um, that 
you know, there, there's an ignorance there that required some more connection. And, and I'm, I'm guilty. Um, I'm also guilty of that, of just not being that connected. So, um, yeah, the willpower and bravery piece to me is tied to my own physical circumstances that I had to endure and, and that are actually part of my everyday now for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So let me ask you to this. Part of this podcast and this specific episode, we're talking about these things like willpower agency or bravery, but we're also talking about agency too, right? And, you know, we had a quick conversation before this um, and Julie put this idea of agency in a beautiful way, right? But what unnecessary limitations do we put on our agency as individuals, as a community? And what are your ideas and how we break those down? Because I think that that has a lot to do with what you just said, Steve, as far as like, you know, not doing the same thing over and over year after year, expecting the same results, right? So what do you think of, of that, Julie? Like how, how does agency play out in that way? And what are those unnecessary limitations that we're putting on our, our own agency and as our agency as a community? Wow, that is such a good question. And I'm, when I think about uh, agency, uh, you know, I remember being in grammar school and the concept of agency and um, the fact that one of my rights on this earth was to make my choices and that the choices that I made in my life would kind of, frequently map out my path and my my destiny they would the choices i made would be would have an effect on me and they may have an effect on all of the people around me so therefore um how i spent my day who i chose to spend my day with what conversation i carried in my head about who i was or what i could do uh, those things are meaningful And I have said to my son, you will never be any better than your five closest friends. And I have uh, said to myself, you you really um, can't stay stuck in this story in your head. And the reason I say that when you talk about limitations, what I think in terms of or what are the things that expand me as opposed to those things that hold me back. And I would say in making my choices and using my agency, the one thing I am really, really careful about is who do I share my time with? And do the people I spend time with lift my spirits? And do they reinforce my point of view that the world is possible and that good things will happen? Because what we take in and the people that we allow to have influence on us have a big um, impact on the story we tell ourselves about our own capability in the world. I think for most of my adult life, I'm now a 60 year old woman, I I probably led a life of quiet apology, feeling like I was either way too much or not quite enough. And as I have gotten older and really tried to take control of my own narrative about who I am and how I operate in the world. It's funny, but the limitations seem much fewer. Not that the challenges aren't there, not that the obstacles don't still have to be overcome, not that anything is easy, but the the conversation I have in my head is kind of the the flag, you know, that's going to get waved before whatever happens next. It's either um, I either see possibility or I see obstacle. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you something kind of from left field. And it was something that I came up with about five years ago when I started exclusively working for myself. You know, I stepped away from my last corporate job and I'm like, man, what do I really want 
out of life? What do I want for the people around me out of life? And it was, I want vacation and home to feel the same. And I want Monday and Saturday to feel the same. Because I knew how much power I had felt I had when I felt like my time was my own and that I didn't have to leave home to rest or recharge or reconnect, you know, that I wasn't thinking in terms of some imaginary place I would go to suddenly have breathing room or to feel better, you know, that I could wake up on a Monday with the same anticipation for that day that I would on a Saturday. Those things mattered to me, but again, those are, those, those things to me lead me to kind of like, what is my agency, which in a way, I guess, is what is my viewpoint? Yes, that's, that's so important too. Like, yeah, your agency is created by your viewpoint when you really break it down, you know, that's, that's a beautiful thing. What about you, Steve? Like, what does that bring up for you? Uh, this, this is a, uh... This is actually a fun. This is a fun topic. Um, <laughs> I, I I enjoy this because um, I've been somewhat of a serial entrepreneur since my early twenties, um, and I, I I spent a good part of that time till now um, scaring the crap out of people. I mean, for lack of better words. <laughs> um, but but you know uh, you know when you when you envision crazy ideas. Um, you know, you get joy out of that and, and, and what you find about um, what, what I'll envision as, you know, my version of agency is, is, is the people around you, um, whether they're part of your inner circle or you're, you know, you're directly outside your inner circle. Um, but that is, you know, that is the, you know, the community. Um, so what I find is that the limitations um, across the board there are, are, are things that are actually developed through the educational system. You, you know, when you're, when you're a child, you believe that you can touch and do anything as you go through the educational system. They, um, they train your mind into believing that you need to fit in, um, and, and don't do odd and crazy things because you're a disruptor and nobody likes disruptors. Um, but that's, that's, you know, evolution requires disruptors. Um, so, so when I think of the, you know, the, the idea of agency, it's, it's trying to understand and acknowledge there's a fear of change, there's a fear of failure, and there's a fear of disapproval. And those three things can, um, can generate an immediate response from a large number of people, whether they are collectively together or whether you approach them individually, um, they will all generate a response that says too much, not now, crazy idea. Um, but, but what you have to do to remove those limitations is you, um, you actually have to maybe change your circle a little bit. So you have to find uh, and promote uh, a, a community of involvement. Um, and that's, you know, that's the first step in helping to gain strength in turning, you know, ideas into reality. Um, and then you, you have to do something very, very simple is, is not, you speak about the end goal, but you have to act in baby steps. And, and that is a critical component of, of change is that the baby steps are necessary because you can't, you know, you don't, you don't cross a river and you just, you don't just like drop a bridge on and say, okay, let's cross the river today. It's a process of thinking and engineering and, and, and then slowly building. Um, and, and um, you know, like Julie says, it's not, there's, there's, there's wins and failures all along the way. Um, but you have to, you, you know, if you've got the right community, um, that that can stay in in tune with the overall goal and focus, then you can learn from the mistakes and you can treat them as they're just part of the learning curve here. They're not failures in the sense of what we were taught failure is, is that it's something so, so horrible. Um, but in reality, it's it's a process of elimination. 
that that is what failure is. And if you learn to embrace it correctly, then then um, you can see it as a path to success. But the last piece I'll, I'll add to this, and this is something that I, I signed up with a um, with a, a personal development CEO to coach. Um, and she introduced me to this idea of what you call a living vision. And the living vision is just simply um, creating a story of where you want to be, but you're living in it. So you actually write a book of, of saying, I am now two, three years in the future. Let me tell you my story of how I got here and what the amazing journey was like. And, and, and I'll share with you the wins and the losses, um, the trials and the tribulations, because they're all in there. They're all packaged in there for real. Um, and I, I've, I've done that myself for something. And while you're writing it, it's, it's just this horribly scary process. Um, and it, and it's, it's, it's like writing a fictional book. But then when you get the opportunity to read it and, and it becomes a story that you want to live. And, and as you share it with other people, they're like, I want to live in that story too. So it's a way of building that community, it's of taking this introductory idea that gets you off of a soapbox sounding like a crazy person and turns it into something that can be a community vision and, and where the community says, sign me up, I have a role to play in this. Then you, that's what to me is about changing the, the agency and what you'll find is a, a steal a term. You, you may find that what you originally had as an agency in your mind, you have some, you may have the wrong people on the bus and you may actually have people who are okay to be on the bus, but they were actually sitting in the wrong seat. Um, so this is just simple, like I'm, I'm, you know, analogies here, but I, but in doing it in a way that I'm, I'm trying my best to like share how this idea of agency becomes a, a collaborative team with, with, you know, maybe what we'll call a singular vision in mind and how they all contribute, um, and their roles that they all will play in this overall success. That's a mindset shift. And, and what you want to do is, is encourage that kind of development. And it doesn't really matter what you do. In fact, we live in an era where those things are um, amazingly possible now because of the internet. You could create a barbecue sauce and you can sell it all over the world. You know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that, you, you, that, that's a fantasy. Today, that's a reality. Um, so it, it, it's, it's a matter of just understanding the privileges we have and utilizing them in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You were going to say something, Julie? I kind of wanted to give Steve a standing <laughs> ovation after that because... <laughs> there were there were a couple things he said there where you could see me just nodding my head up and down, you know, and, you know, the one thing like when you were talking about the fear of change that, you know, the fear, the fear. Fundamentally, we are one of two things. We are either in fear or we in, we are in love. Right. You're you're operating from fear or you're operating from love. And one of the reason I love talking to both of you. Is. When you're speaking about your journey and your story, I am nodding my head. I am agreeing. I personally know uh, from, from what Steve just said that so much of our job in innovating anything is kind of crafting the vision of where we want to go and making that vision um, something that you can build consensus around that you say, hey, team, we want to go here. And then it's like, how are we going to get there? And I think when you build consensus around story and you say, this is where we're going and this is why we're going here and this is why we need what we need and we're going to do this from a loving place. And no matter what obstacle we have to overcome, we're just not going to let the fear get in the way. So what part of the field do you want to plow? How are we going to get there? How do we combine our resources? How do we collaborate? 
to execute on this shared vision. And to your point about small bites, like I say this all the time, you can eat the elephant in small bites. You've got to just know that the enormity of the task cannot be so daunting that you are afraid to take that first step. There is, there's something like that we're not touching on in this story that I think is almost more important than agency, almost more important than willpower, almost more important than purpose. And that is just kind of this simple stamina for basically saying, I'm not going to walk away from this. Like we're going to work on this until we get to a yes. And I think that to Steve's point, we have such shame tied into failure. Like failure is something just horrible. And it's like, oh my gosh, I fail six times a day before I brush my teeth. It's something, you know, it's like, I think when you just set aside any shame of trying something and having it not meet expectation and just dusting yourself off and, you know, you just keep going. It's, it's really more about stamina. But I think when you have a shared vision and you're surrounded by like-minded people, when you're tired, somebody else carries the ball, right? Like, I'm not trying to use too many metaphors. I'm just saying, I don't know how else to share that process other than, you know, to try to put it into a visual picture for people to understand. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I think it's interesting. It, it kind of speaks to this idea of what Steve said. And just by the way, like people who are listening, I have like a whole entire page of notes again on, on everything that, you know, they're dropping. So I'm hoping that you guys are just taking these little gems that they're saying, but, you know, Steve, when you talked about creating a living vision and living into that, to me, that brings about kind of how we all got to the table and got to this conversation. You know, it was this living vision of providing this space for creative entrepreneurs to have equity based on their creative capital that Julie came to the table with and said, I want you to be on this journey with me. Exactly. And then it was like, you know what? Yeah, like that's something that I've experienced throughout my life of being able to create very beautiful community community events that bring 3,000 people through, but not being involved in the equity of ownership and watching a neighborhood go from $150,000 houses to $650,000 houses and not having any equity in that. So sign me up. Yes, if I can fix that problem, and, and create a solution based off of that, I'm all in. And then what I heard from you, Steve, is, you know, if you, if, you know, Julie's coming to you and she's saying like, hey, I have this vision and you're like, yeah, sign me up. I have the product that we can put on this land that does that. We're literally doing what we're talking about, which is like living into that vision, you know, and we're not at that vision yet. They, they don't exist they don't exist on the land yet but we are taking those steps day by day and yeah we might fail at a couple things have this idea that we're gonna do it this way and then it doesn't work out but we're living these pieces of the puzzle that will we can look back on this conversation right here in six months or a year or however long it takes to say like yeah we did that we brought this housing to this community in this way by teaming up and doing the things that we're good at you know so it's just as you started to speak about that and then julie jumped in i was like yo yeah we're actually doing that right now we didn't write it down (laughs) well well, kind of we wrote it down you know everybody wrote their different pieces down of the the puzzle but we're all here doing that work so one of my last questions and i always kind of end with one of these questions like from your standpoint from your perspective what is one piece of advice that you would give to someone that has like changed your life and put your life on a trajectory of where you are now and i know that's kind of hard to like piece apart but my thing is a lot of the people who are listening you know they might not 
be on the as far in the game as you guys are, you know, as far in wisdom. So what are those things that you can share from your standpoint? Like what's so one tip, that one piece of advice that you would just want to pass on to someone? I wish I had known that the things I perceived as my weaknesses were actually my strengths. When I listen to Steve talk about the school system, you know, it makes me think in terms of the structures that we live within, whether it's religion or school or family or work, where, you know, you have one or two people that are in charge that basically the more you can stay kind of almost in fear and the more that you are collectively kind of held back, the more you don't innovate, the more you just fall in line, that the easier it is for that person or that organization to choose to achieve their goal, you know, because you are compliant and you follow the system and you fit, you're the cog in the wheel when you don't want to be part of that machine, I think you think you are flawed, you're defective, you don't fit in, you're not part of the group, you're not, you're failing. You know, but the bottom line is, it's always the person who's the most insecure, who's just struggling to figure it out that, you know, this the person who's a little bit too loud or the person who's a little bit too quiet, you know. Whatever it is that is your weakness, it's likely your strength. And if you step outside of just the structure of the system, where you're working so hard to try to please this thing, whatever it might be, check with yourself. Because you've been talked out of that intuition. Steve said something earlier about being born happy and joyful and perfect. Well, over the years, you get talked out of that. You get talked out of trusting yourself. You get talked out of trusting your joy. You get talked out of knowing what makes you feel good. And I would just say that compliance is kind of overrated. Like, step outside the box. Check in with yourself. That's a very long answer, Rashad. But it's like, you know, just... Perfect. Yeah. Be you. That's you. Exactly. Be you, Julie. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Long answer and all. I, I, it gave me time to like write down exactly what you said. That was beautiful. What about you, Steve? What's I, that I, I have to uh, applaud Julie for that because <laughs> in, in all honesty, right? that's a, it's a great way to summarize a lot of what we, what we touch base on here today. So, um, yeah, that that it, and you you keep giving me tough ones to follow here. By the way, so, um, <laughs> that's Julie. I, uh, not not that it's not a, in any way trying to say it's a competition, but how, gosh, how do I even contribute beyond that? Um, I, I, I here here's mine. Um, I I I you know this has been said to people all the time, but I don't think people really take the time to do it. So I'll say it in a way that hopefully it, hopefully it has, it has a, a physical emotional impact on people after, after this, um, this session, but start with this and, and I'll give you my, I'll give you my, my thing to do after you think this, imagine yourself at your, your, you're at the end of the road, at the end of your, your lifespan, whatever, whether it be age or you, you face some, some incident that, all of a sudden has you believing that this, this might be it for me right now. Um, that is a crucial time because either through that, right at that before section, or if you actually happen to come through it, um, you, you, you reflect on your life tremendously different because really the only thing you're looking for is, is um, was I happy and was my life fulfilling? Um, you you remove you remove the um, the you know the the media's version of what your life should be you know chasing uh, you know, the personal gains um, whether it be a car a house a jewelry the fine clothes the you know the perfect image of the your match 
um, you, you remove those things and you look around you to see the people who are involved in your life that you spent your time with, um, you know, did they bring you joy? Did you bring them joy? Um, the things you've done and ask yourself, did I, did I do anything of value? Um, so, you know, oftentimes people will find that, that, that there's a lot of things that they pack in there that were wishes that they should have done. And so for me, this leads to my long-winded answer to this is the one piece of advice I can give anybody is just take a step forward. Mm. Don't, don't think you have to open the door and jump out of an airplane um, or fly. Um, you, you, you don't have to do those things. That's not, that's not the reality of any success story, quite honestly, whether it be a, a a, you know, a, you know, a, a Jeff Bezos, uh, you know, Elon Musk, you know, kind of person, or, or whether it's just somebody who overcame their anxiety of socialization, um, who, you know, whatever, whatever that, that barrier that's in front of you, just find a way to take a step forward. If doing that requires you to join a community of people like-minded, um, similar issues or goals, then do that because that actually is the first step forward. So that is my best advice I can give. And then, and then embrace the idea that there'll be, um, there probably will be more failures along the road to success than you um than you really want to embrace but just if you can understand that they're there and they're coming they won't feel like a, such a shock and you won't see them as you know embarrassing things that are um, scars and character flaws and um, you know, like it, it, knocking you down and, you know, taking away from your, your, your strength. They are, they're part of the building process of yourself. You do your best building when it comes from facing, um, you know, either an adversary or an obstacle. Um, and, and sometimes it's the loss against that, that, gives you the strength to you know plow your way through it around it or over it um but it all it all centers on just taking that first step forward mm, that was beautiful see look you you thought you you couldn't come around from that that was you guys are just like dropping so much so many different things. i don't know if you can see my notes but i have i have a whole bunch of notes right here just you know, and that's one of the things I do from, you know, on my Instagram is just, you know, I'll have these conversations and I'll be like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, you know, yeah. And just I'll quote them. So I appreciate you. Um, I just want to kind of wrap up by just sharing where people can find you at, you know, um, because I know after they listen to this, they're going to say like, I need to follow Julie and connect with Julie. I need to follow Steve and connect with Steve. So each of you guys just share where people can find out more information about you before we wrap up. Um, I think probably the best way to stay in touch with our work projects is by uh, taking a peek at our Instagram, which is just Urban Elements Sacramento. And, um, you know, we're just slowly building a following organically of people who are interested in attainable housing. And we're trying to share with them through that um, mechanism of social media where they can find us, what where the projects are, what they cost, and how they can get on the interest list. Mm, got it. What about you, Steve? Um, yeah, are the probably the most active place um, that we um, are, are are kind of sharing with the community what we're doing is 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 also on our Instagram. It's um, prefabadu.com. Um, or actually, that, that's our website. But prefabadu is our Instagram, and prefabadu.com is our website. Um, but if you if you 
if you search my name, you can see lots of different things, of, you know, videos and things I've done with, you know, legislators and, and city officials and different things, just working on this community goal. Um, like I said, yesterday I was on one with the, um, the mayor of San Jose promoting a new 0% interest loan that we're doing for, for housing. Um, mm -hmm. which is a, an unheard of product. But again, it's, it's, you know, finding baby steps, ways to take baby steps and pioneering ideas to get the banking industry to embrace what we're doing. Um, so yeah, that's, that's probably the best advice I can give in terms gotcha. of how to find it. Perfect. Well, Julie, Steve, I appreciate your time as always. Thank you for um, coming on and, um, I'll, I'll, I'll be talking to you guys. We talk weekly, so talk to you <laughs> I'm soon. just glad. I'm glad that people had a chance to hear from you. Thanks Appreciate so much. You. Thank I, you. I, I enjoyed it, and I'm, and I'm grateful that you um, invited me to be a part of this. Uh, um, I, I hope it has uh, meaning and value to people, and it hope, I hope it helps um, give them spirit and, and, and the willingness to pursue their dreams and goals. Yeah, yeah. All right. See Thanks. you guys later. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for John. Bye.